The Home Show with Sinead Ryan on News Talk. Hello and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of the Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, personal trainer Neve Kerwin with tips on putting together a home exercise routine using whatever you have around the house. She'll also be using me. Why are international funds still buying up entire housing estates which were earmarked for first-time buyers? Stylist Judy Gilroy on her new business venture, Classy, and Denise O'Connor from Optimised Design on simplifying the decision-making process if a home renovation is on your New Year's resolution list. If you would like to get involved in the podcast, you can contact us by email at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And I know many of you like to get in touch with me on Instagram. I'm over there at Sinead Ryan 100. And if you want to listen back to any of the items you've missed or indeed any of our previous pods, you can do that uh, on newstalk.com, on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud or wherever you get your podcasts from. Now, this week's show, I suppose, uh, is all about pulling yourself together. Uh, No nonsense, lots of advice. And if, like me, you kind of balk at New Year's resolutions, then consider it more about changing small habits than a sweeping New Year ahead. I got a little bit of momentum during last weekend after the show and cleared out wardrobes, dropped off bags to the charity shop and reorganised my pantry press. I, I must say I felt very virtuous, if a little bit wrecked after it all. Uh, But I don't want to lose momentum now that I am on that train. So if you have any tips on keeping the improvement bug going during the log days of January, I am all ears for that. And that is what we are going to be looking at today. And we've lots more to come and you are very welcome along to The Home Show. I may be already regretting my first item today. Regular listeners to The Home Show will know that every so often we hold a masterclass in studio where an expert comes in and tries to teach me everything from flower arranging to gift wrapping, often with limited success. But this may well have been your first full week back at work and those New Year's resolutions have to start sometimes. So for many, it's getting fitter. But joining a gym can be very expensive uh, and, you know, Very many people start doing it, but they feel self-conscious, they give up uh, and all of that. But my first guest reckons we can find all we need to get fitter within our homes. Neve Kerwin, you're very welcome to studio, personal fitness trainer and owner at Sway uh, Pilates. Where do you think people get wrong, go wrong when they kind of think, I want to get fitter this year? And then by February, it's all gone out the door. They think too big. They try to do too many things too quickly, too soon. And that's the mistake everybody makes. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, keep it consistent. So choose three or four simple moves that you can do at home and just do them every day. Okay, so simple moves every day. I'm glad I'm glad you started with simple <laughs> for a beginner. Okay, and of course there's the expense then of feeling I have to join this, I have to go here, I have to buy all this equipment. You're saying you don't need to do any no, of that. you absolutely don't. You really don't. Um, like I said, keep it simple. Press-ups, they cover the upper part of the body, the arms, the back, the chest and the core. Standing, lunges, squats, again cover the legs, the glutes, the back. And then core, lying down on your back. As simple as it is, lifting your head, shoulders or lifting your legs. So what do we have around the home that might substitute for our gym equipment? Well, my favourite and probably the thing I talk about most is countertop press-ups. You can do that any time of the day. So at a countertop, while you're waiting for the kettle to boil um, or while you're cooking dinner, just do some press-ups. You can do wide arm press-ups, narrow arm press-ups. And it's just about doing more. So start with 10 work up to 20, work up to 30. 
Okay. Good to see you. <laughs> All right. Okay. And of course, you could use the back of a chair for that or, or, yep. or presume Windows any of the things. Uh, anywhere. A bed. It's just the bed is soft, but... Yeah. Okay, right. So, um, right, I don't think I can put this off any longer. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to get started. You are going to show me some of these exercises we can do. Um, and we're going to put a little video up um, after the show, uh, showing me probably doing them very badly. But let's get started and, and see how we get on. So, um, we have our countertop here, which is also our studio recording desk. Yep. <laughs> so, we're going to stand up and you're going to tell me exactly what it is I'm supposed to do here now. Okay. So you start off with what we're, what height works for you. Okay. The closer you are to the counter, the easier it is. The further you step back, the harder it is. So depending on your strength and your mobility and, of course, if you have any injuries. Great. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm fine, actually. I have no injuries, unfortunately. So, <laughs> unfortunately. So yeah. I have to say you have, you have to go. So, so if you... It, it, I'm going to put my hands flat on the top, is it? Yep, put your hands okay. flat on the top. Yep. Step back far enough that suits you. Okay. And you'll be in a plank position. So you want to lift your heels. Okay. Yep. Right. Engage the core. <laughs> Make sure yep. the shoulders are relaxed and not yep. up around your ears. Okay. Pressing up between the shoulder blades so that you're not sagging in your shoulders and your head isn't jutting forward. That's the most common mistake. Lifting the bum too high or dropping okay. the bum too low. All right. Okay. Or letting the head drop forward. Okay. So I have an, so as much of a straight line as I can get here. Exactly. Ears in line with the shoulders yep. is always my one. And okay. then you're going to bend the elbows out to the sides and slightly okay. towards the back. Okay. Yep. Right. Okay. Inhale I when do you go that. down. And then exhale to come back up. Okay. And inhale to go down. And exhale to come back up. And what part of my muscle now is that working, Neve, here? So you're working your chest, you're working the triceps, the back of the arm, the biceps, the upper back, which is so important for posture. So between your shoulder blades. Yes. Your core. Yes. So there's so many muscles right. you're working with this one simple move. So choose this move and just do it And that's it very straightforward. Very, very good. Okay, right. What's next? Okay. So next is lunges. So you can stay, stay standing with your countertop. Yes. You can have one hand on your countertop. And if you need for balance, if not, you're just going to bend your knees, pushing your bum back and down. Okay. So the key here is when you go into a squat, you want to push your bum back and down so that you're working the back of your leg. So you're going to slightly lean forward in the upper part okay, of the body. Right. This is great for radio. I'm glad nobody can see me. <laughs> right. Also, up and a down. really good okay. thing to think about here yeah. is move at the hips and the ankles. Kind of ignore your knees. So you're bending at the hips and bending at the ankles. Okay. So again, repetition. Right. So really good to work the lower part of the body. Does really it matter vital. now what speed you go at? No slow is really important. Okay, good. So you don't have to better. be pumping up and down all yeah. the time. And how many should we be striving for in terms of, of per set or repetition? Well, I would always say start with 10 and do three sets of 10 and then you can work your way up. Brilliant. Uh, really other good thing to do uh, is balance. Balance is key. You're going to make me stand on one leg now, I'm are you? Make you stand okay, on one right, leg. here we go. I'm actually so, not too bad at this. Uh, I can do it for for a while. Here I am. I'm wobbling a little bit, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm glad I wore my flat shoes in today. All right. So standing on, on one leg and how long should I be able to do this for? Hopefully 30 seconds. Oh, 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. I so I this is really simple, really, yeah. really important for life, for longevity, for so many reasons to stop people falling, to build strength. So try do this every day. I always say to my clients, try do it when you're standing in a queue. You may look a bit ridiculous. <laughs> 
cares if you're going to have balance. And the person behind you isn't. It's a bit like we're told to do the the pelvic floor exercises, isn't that a bit like that? Do the cue, nobody will notice. Right, right. okay, okay, right. Your foot in the air. Fantastic. Okay, so standing up, well, you can do that anywhere, right? Anything else now that we can do at home? So, um, getting some dishcloths. Now, this only really works on a slidey floor, wood or tiles. Okay, and they are so useful. So you can use them in plank. You can put them under your feet, and you can bring your knees in and out. So from a plank position, you bend your knees in, sliding the dishcloths towards you. Oh, brilliant. Okay. You can stay standing, put the dishcloth under one foot, slide the foot that's got the dishcloth underneath it out to the side, bending the other knee. And then you've got your side squats and then you can press back with that foot. So it's so useful for building core strength again, glutes, hamstrings, quads. So inner thigh, (laughs) it's endless. Fantastic. And talk to me a little bit about why this is so important, especially for women, maybe as we get older. It is vital for women as we get older because we need it to balance hormones to build muscles and building muscle also helps us lose weight. Mm. So it is really vital. The Mm. more muscle we have, the more weight we will lose. Okay. Well, listen, um, that is fantastic advice for everybody, Neve. And uh, thank you for coming in and showing it to me. Oh, did I do so okay? Welcome. Did I do okay? All you right. Did fantastic. Okay, right. I need to go and lie down in a darkened room now. Now, uh, back in 2021, the Irish government introduced new stamp duty rules to penalise investment funds from bulk buying housing estates that were originally aimed at individual buyers. But despite these rules, international funds are still um, buying up these estates, it would appear. So joining me now to tell us more is Senior Business Reporter with the Business Post, Killian Woods. Killian, you're very welcome along to the Home Show. Um, Talk to me about these rules. It was a stamp duty measure. So yeah, as, as you said yourself, uh, the stamp duty measures were brought in by the government in reaction to quite a, quite a lot of consternation in 2021. It was May time that the paper I work for, the Business Post, reported that it was 115 homes in the state of 170 were bulk bought by uh, a foreign property fund. And they were on the open market, so they were been pitched at you know, first-time buyers, regular owner-occupiers, but one fund came along and, and offered to buy them all, and, and the, the um, developer of the properties agreed. Now, like ultimately, to be clear, that, that sale did not go through in the end, but it was, was a provisional agreement in place to do so. In reaction to that, there was a lot of consternation publicly. Kind of, I suppose for the first time, it highlighted this practice was happening where we were getting in, international investment funds going up against regular buyers who were just got their mortgage approved and going mm-hmm. to the housing estate to buy them for themselves to live in were, were competing with them. And the government were kind of asked to intervene. They took a month, which was fair, to try and assess the situation. And they came back with one, two, two measures. One in particular that's really relevant today is the stamp duty measure, which is that if you're buying more than 10 homes in a calendar year, if you, if you breach that 10 limit, you have to pay 10% stamp duty on all purchases as opposed to 1%, which mm. is typical rate people pay. Now, of course, it would seem immediately obvious that if you're bulk buying, if you have the money, the funds to come in and swoop up half a housing estate, the chances are you're doing a pretty good deal with the developer. You're certainly not probably paying full price. So maybe these funds are like, well, we'll just suck up the 10% because we're, we may be getting more than 10% in, in a discounted price. And it clearly hasn't worked because we saw there um, just before Christmas that that yet another uh, housing estate seems to have done a deal and a developer has has given up 85% of, of a, an estate in Dublin 17, which had been originally earmarked for individuals. 
Yeah, exactly as you said there. And, and in the meantime, so that's it. It, it. We can. The reason the stamp duty is important is because the other measure was a planning measure that's more future looking about future planning applications and ring fencing them. So that's why we we're talking about the stamp duty now. Is that that was the measure brought in to immediately have an effect, to try and stem this happening in the in, right in, in the before the planning regulations came into effect properly. But yet, as you said, you said yourself, clearly there's a lot of them sucking it up. And as you said, with the deal they can get, if you, there is naturally going to be a discount, maybe it's the wrong word, but just a different price if you're bulk buying. If you're bulk buying a bunch of homes, you're, especially if you're a developer and you're, you're able to do the deal early, you're not paying a intermediary like a real estate agent to have to show people around them. You're getting rid of them in all one go. You're possibly paying off your finance much quicker. It's a much speedier process. Mm-hmm. All cash and done very quickly. So there is a different rate. It's not much less now, I think, like the estate was. If you take the estate we're talking about there in Dublin 17 as as a benchmark, it was up for, if you sold all the homes at the asking price they were advertising, this, the um, 46 homes would have gone for 26 million, roughly. The deal was like 24.5 million, mm. end, which mm. was done for, for the homes in, in that Dublin housing estate. There is a bit of a discount there, and that's just from kind of getting them off their hands quickly and the developer moves on to checking in, pay people to show people their houses, it just gets done quicker. And I suppose the houses then will be used to rent. And, and of course, the rental market is important and we need those houses too. However, uh, if you see, if you're a young couple and you're living with your parents and you're seeing this development going up across the road and you go get your mortgage and you have a look around, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth to suddenly arrive at that point and be told, actually, they're all gone, but you can rent one of them for a couple of thousand uh, every month. Do you think the Housing Minister, Dara Bryan, will be under pressure to look at this measure again. Killian? Yeah, uh, so it, it, the thing is, it is it's, he'll be under pressure, the government will be, and, and, and Leo Bradford said this week that they're going to review this incident and see if they need to amend the, um, the stamp duty rate again and it's not, not ruled out hiking the stamp duty rate if it, if it, if it is seen, still seen as profitable at the 10% rate to come in and buy the properties at this price. Mm. But it's also, it's also the Department of Finance that would have the purview over the stamp duty. Mm. O'Brien introduced the, plan, the planning regulations, as I was mentioning earlier, about ring-fencing homes. Is there, an argument, is there an argument just to ban the practice? I think banning the practice is possibly a too blunt instrument in that mm. it's, it's better to try and curtail it. Like, and also possibly couldn't be done that there is very quite quite strict property rights about how properties can be mm. sold and, and, and what and who has the right to buy and who who, who doesn't. It, the, the doesn't bit is very hard to enforce. But in the same way, for instance, now you, you build a new housing estate and every your developer knows I have to earmark a certain amount of that for social and affordable housing. Could, could you have a measure that says a certain amount, more than half, have to be earmarked for individual buyers, perhaps? I mean, it could, as you said there, you're right that there, there already are moves, but the government's already moved in to take a 20% for, for social affordable housing going forward from new developments. So there's, there's, there's a chance to do it. It would likely require law change to do that. And mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of support for that. Like other, other countries have gone down the, the, bat, the, bat, the route of banning this sort of practice of both buying homes because it is seen as an unfair practice. And there's a, there is a big difference here. And some, some investment funds do buy a lot of properties in Ireland. The difference between these ones and why I think it's important to note that this is why people are more so upset about this one is these are homes that are built for mortgage, essentially for the mortgage market, for yeah. individual buyers yeah. to come in and buy them. Not that not the deal housing estate was funded, the development of it wasn't funded mm. by this new owner. Mm. They came in and, and swooped it. And did the deal. So All right. While, while they're meeting other yeah. people. Okay. Well, look, that's going to continue to annoy people, especially uh, first-time buyers who are so desperately in need of housing. And, and when it comes to 
to homes. The three bedroom with the front and back garden. By the way, Killian, that, that rule on the stamp duty, the 10%, that doesn't apply to bulk buying apartments. Isn't that right? Yeah, so apartments were, seen, were, were given a dispensation from that because it was seen that if they did extend the rules to these apartments, that it would completely essentially tank yeah. the, investment, the investment funds coming in to fund, fund the building of apartments because that is where investment funds are very, very good for the country is that they come in with the capital, say we will take on the expensive practice of building these apartment mm. blocks that are very hard, that take a long time to build and can only be occupied once they're completely finished as opposed to housing estates which can be funded at five years at a time, 50 at a time, and much easier to do in phases. Okay, all right. Well, listen, we'll watch and wait and see what happens uh, in what might be uh, yet an election year uh, with that whole issue about those housing estates. But you have to feel sorry for anybody who had their eyes set on one of those, maybe had a quick look around and got their mortgage approved. Killian Woods, a business reporter with The Business Post. Thanks for joining us on The Home Show. Thanks, Ed. Now, an event is taking place on Monday uh, in uh, Ballygarry House Hotel, conducted by Munster Technological University of Kerry. And it involves transition year students taking part in a haberdashery, circular and sustainable design skills. And here to tell me a little bit more about it is Eve Savage from Munster Technological University. You are very welcome to the home show, Eve. What is going to be taking place on Monday? Hi, good morning, Sinead. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Um, so we have a very exciting programme. We're going to have 325 transition year students from all over. It's the Kerry region um, that, we're, that we're focusing on. We have created a beautiful programme which supports the learning, development and awareness of uh, circular and sustainable design skills for the fashion industry, footwear industry, and for the accessory sector also. As part of that, we're supporting the students with their entrepreneurial skills, uh, virtual online design skills, and it's all with a focus on assisting uh, young, young adults to engage with climate action policy, to understand regulations and new changes uh, to the various sectors that are influencing uh, a whole range of incredible new products and materials. Now, it seems to me that this uh, age group, these TYs, uh, generation, whatever they are, um, are both proponents of fast fashion. So they're the kids maybe buying off Sheen and, you know, buying off ASOS and getting the stuff delivered. But they're also much more likely to be locked into this sustainability and the value of reusing, recycling um, items, uh, certainly when it comes to fashion wear, uh, than maybe older people. How did you find their engagement with the project? Yeah, so this is exactly why we created this this programme. I suppose young people are in a they're in a bit of a dichotomy in the sense that they have less uh, purchasing uh, power financially, which kind of drives them towards this fast fashion model that they've just been born into, really. However, there's so many incredible new um, companies on the market with a whole different value system. It's being driven not only by uh, consumer consumer demand, but also by um, laws and regulations globally that are coming downstream. And what it's actually doing is creating um, a whole suite of bio-based and sustainable fabrics, textiles, um, 3D printed components, and other composites that are now being integrated into the fashion industry at more uh, cheaper and affordable and levels. And so it's a great opportunity to be working with young people at a time 
I suppose when they're most uh, open to these ideas, they're very conscious about what's happening in the environment, but probably feel quite uh, disempowered. And so that's why we created programs. So not to be always talking about the negative aspects mm. um, regarding climate action, but that acknowledging those and then demonstrating, because we are a university, we're so aware of what's happening on a European and a global, on a global level um, through research, science, technology, engineering and math, um, all of these new uh, companies that are, that are emerging. And we really want to demonstrate to young people the careers that are there for them in the future and their consumer power. All right. Well, that sounds fantastic. It sounds very empowering. And as you say, a positive uh, spin on where we all need to be in the future. And who knows, maybe it'll bring up our t- our next future uh, Irish designers, uh, maybe a little bit of talent lurking in there. Eve Savage from Munster Technological University in Tralee, County Kerry. Thanks for joining us on The Home Show. Thank you, Sinead. Thanks so much. Now, you might know my next guest from Ireland AM, where she's been sharing her style tips for close to a decade. Judy Gilroy has set up a new business venture now called Clossy, which aims to help us all getting a little bit more organised in our home. And we all need that at the moment. You're very welcome to the Home Show, Judy. Thank you for having me, Sinead. Now, uh, talk to me about um, where you came up with this idea and what it is. So Classy is a home organisation brand and our goal is to make organisation for everybody. So we want to make it really simple and really easy. Um, so we sell lots of different solutions and bundles so that if you want to come in, if you want to get organised, that you can either look at our products and you can pick a bundle and you can just organise according to your space. Because I feel like a lot of people, when they're looking to kind of start on this new mission of like getting organised and having a simple home, they just don't know where to start. Where do people go wrong then? Uh, they, they plan it. They say, I'm definitely going to be organised. My kitchen is going to look like a Pinterest board. It's going to be only fab. Where do they go wrong initially? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head there. Our houses are never going to look like a Pinterest board, really, are they? Well, thank you for that. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Very, very, very so, relieved so to hear you say that. We need a big dose of reality. There's a big difference between the aspiration and the inspiration and the reality. You know, we all have kids, family, mess at home and organisation isn't always pretty. Organisation is really about having a system in place so that when you're looking for things that you're not spending ages looking for them and so that you're not spending your life tidying up all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we've, we're busy enough in life without having to spend our weekends um, spending ages on our homes. Now, I've taken a look at some of your products and when you said the word bundles there, um, I I wasn't quite sure what you meant. But actually, what it is, is like nearly stacking boxes. Isn't that it? Exactly. And (laughs) the the boxes can stay in one place, but they slide in and out so you can find at a glance where everything is. And because they're clear, you can see what's in the box because there's nothing worse than thinking, I know I put something in there now, I have to open up everything to find out what it is. Where did you come up with the idea for it? Um, so this idea has been years and years in the making. As you said, I'm a stylist, so I work with lots of brands all the time. And I feel like I'm very exposed to what viewers and consumers, what they're reacting to and what they're not reacting to. Um, so during the pandemic, I, like everybody else, was obsessively cleaning and DIYing my house and repainting. And at the time, I was pregnant with my first daughter, uh, Stella. Um, and then I had her during the pandemic. And 
time. I think anybody who has a kid mm. um, for the first time knows that that chaos that your house goes into. Um, so it all stemmed from there. At, at the time, there was a lot about organisation on social media. We were starting to see it on Netflix. And I was like, wow, if we're starting to see this on television, there are shows about organising. Mm. This is going to be big. This is going to be something that that's really big. And you know what? We don't all have the finances or the time or the energy to go and get builders into the house and knock down a wall. We can't all just pick up a paintbrush and, and even start painting a room. It's quite a big job. But you know what we can all do today? We can clear out. We can get organised. And I guarantee you're going to, it's going to make you feel uh, house proud again and you're going to fall in love with your space again. Do you think there's an element of, you know, finding control or taking back control uh, about this? Because, you know, during the pandemic, uh, people strove for anything they could hang on to, to kind of make their lives feel a little bit more secure. Uh, And even if it's something tiny, like your house is planned and organised that gives you that kind of scaffolding for for feeling a little bit better about yourself? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there's definitely a connection between organisation and wellness and you see it all the time, all these wellness experts at the moment talking about energy givers and energy takers and one of the energy givers is organising and decluttering. Um, There's something really nice kind of feeling like you have a bit of control over your home and your space. Like at the end of the day, your home is your sanctuary. It's where you're supposed to come home and feel feel calm and if it's full of stuff you know you're never going to feel that calmness but also when homes are are full of things that you don't need it kind of drives this um consumption you know that we've been seeing over the past few years that we need to buy more clothes we need to buy this we need to buy that it's hard to know though uh, Judy what we need and what we don't need because if something has been sitting around the house forever and a day and and you have that feeling of look I might use it at some point uh, yeah. And and it'll be the day after I get rid of it. Um, it. It can be hard to, even emotionally, even if it's, I don't know, picture frames or clothes or or It can. It can be really hard to let go of things. It can be hard to get let go of things. And I think organisation and decluttering is very personal. So what you want to hang on to, I might not be able to understand and vice versa. So I think every, you know, if you're embarking on a big clear out, I would actually just try and not see it as a big clear out. Tackle corner by corner, space by space. Start with your fridge. Start with your closet. Start with your under the sink cupboard. You know, I think it's a lovely idea to be like, oh, I'm going to do a big clear out and it's all going to be done in a week. That's not it. It's a Mm. process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that if you're tackling little areas in bursts of like half an hour, an hour a week, you know, you're going to achieve a lot more success than you are with going for that big clear out. Okay, so don't beat yourself up over not doing the whole thing in one go. Now, uh, Classy has, uh, you have a pop up. In Arnott's in Dublin. Uh, Talk to me about that and what what you're doing there. So this is our first pop-up shop. We're an online business. Uh, So normally people shop at our website, classy.co. But we've done a pop-up with Arnott's on the ground floor uh, of the department store where people can come in, see our products in situ, experience our products and get those ideas Mm. and inspiration of how to translate them into their own home. So we're there for the month of January until uh, February 7th which is just fantastic. It's great to be able to meet the customers and for them really to really be able to experience the brand. All right. And and outside the home then you have uh, also got involved in what I think seems to be the latest craze are, are these travel cubes 
Exactly. People love them, don't they? <laughs> exactly. They have been a huge hit for us, yes. So travel cubes, if anybody's not familiar with them, it's a, a set of six packing cubes for travel uh, and the aim of them is to make travel more organised. Personally, I wouldn't travel without them. I swear by them. <laughs> what do you put in them now? Do you have like one for makeup and one for your underwear and one for your bikinis or something <laughs> like that? Yeah. So, I mean, they come in a set of six and the idea is that a set of six will organise a 20kg suitcase completely. If I'm going on a 10kg suitcase, I'll just take one out. I think it makes you pack more thoughtfully so mm. you're not just throwing everything into mm. a suitcase. But then on the other side, when you're arriving at your destination, I'm packing for myself and for my daughter. So she needs to go to bed straight away. All of her sleep things are in one cube. Or if I'm looking for my day dresses or my bikinis, like you said there. So it's about categorising everything uh, that you own so that everything's within easy reach. Right. It's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) And yet you're always happy when it's done, aren't you? You're always happy when it's done. And it does save you time in the long run. It does. All right. Okay. Well, listen, Judy Gilroy, um, thank you for coming in and talking to us all about that. And I wish you great success with the the pop-up. And if people aren't in Dublin and can't get into Arnott's, well, then you can find all of those products on uh, Classy.co. And I presume you're on across all the socials. Oh, we are. That's your thing. Oh, we are. Okay, fantastic. All (laughs) right. And you're very welcome back to the final part of the Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead Ryan, your host. And if uh, our whole show this week has been about change and about New Year and about better self and all that kind of thing. So one of the things that people might be planning for 2024 is a home renovation. And if that is on your list of New Year's resolutions, but you're a little bit indecisive uh, about what it is you want or need, well, my next guest is here to help out, Denise O'Connor from Optimised Design. You're very welcome back to the Home Show studio. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I don't know how long we can Thank keep kind of say Happy New Year, but you have to say it to everybody once, don't you? Yeah. Um, so if a home renovation or change is on your list of New Year's resolutions. Well, then Denise is going to talk to us about how and why and when and all that kind of thing. Um, You're really talking about decision making here, Denise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, I'm just thinking about it this time of year. What is it that makes it so challenging for people? Because it is a daunting task, whether you're doing up one room or a whole house, There's so many moving parts. There's so many things to think about, so many decisions to make. So indecisiveness is going to be a major stumbling block. So, you know, Mm. I think trying to be as decisive as possible is going to really help. So sometimes the big decisions like I want an extension... (laughs) Yes. <laughs> can be easily made. <laughs> okay, I want an extension. That's yeah, all I yeah. want. I want more yeah. space. Yes, and then yes. it comes down to, you know, well, the, the hundreds there? of micro decisions that you have to do. That's Where is it, it going to be? What size yeah. is it going to be? What kind of window? What kind of thing? And I think it's the case because I've done this myself that the further along a project you get, the more decisions pile in. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it, you know, for a lot of people, and from speaking to people people underestimate how many decisions there are. So they think, wow, I've made that big decision. I've gotten everybody that needs to be on board, on board. And even that in itself is a mammoth task. So, And you may have found a builder, which is really, really tricky. But there's so many things you've got to have in place before you actually start. Hmm. And even one of those things, like you mentioned, um, I need more space. That's probably the most common thing we hear. 
sometimes people don't need to extend. So it's really important to sort of take a step back and get the right advice before jumping into anything. Because you may find that, and we've spoken about this on the show before, actually by looking at the house, by getting a professional out to look at the house, just reconfiguring what you have will give you that extra space without building anything. So you could end up saving yourself a lot of money. Do you find that in all the decisions that we now have to make every day, um, social media has complicated it for us, is certainly when it comes to something major like, you know, a remix of our interior? Absolutely. Like, I think social media is an amazing tool. From me as a designer and an architect's point of view, it's fantastic. All of the you know, the access, we we can sort of go anywhere in the world, get inspiration from anywhere in the world in a matter of seconds. But the flip side of that is it can become really overwhelming really quickly for people. So what we would see a lot is that people come to us with images. So we would ask them to collect or make a mood board or, you know, just to try and communicate the style that they they want to um, have in their home. But sometimes there's so many images and they're so conflicting Mm. and contrasting people are totally overwhelmed. So they've no, it, it sort of ends up confusing them rather than helping them, I think. Mm. Yes, because you, you can kind of decide and, and without your uh, professional eye, for most amateurs, they just say, well, look, I'd love everything in, you know, sage green and then I want, a, a, you know, a pink sofa here and then we'll go for this massive big white window. And, you, you know, possibly the inner you as a yes, professional, yeah. is cringing and saying, well, there's no, you know, there's no theme there. There's no aesthetic. And and sometimes maybe people just pull together different elements in their head without thinking it holistically. It. And, and the other thing we see quite a lot, like a lot of these images are from places like Australia or California or South Africa, just where, where the climate, where the lifestyle is yeah. completely different. Yeah. And unfortunately, where you can take elements a lot of it doesn't translate to Ireland. It's it's a very different landscape. We've got different architecture, different styles of houses. So it's about sort of helping people understand what the the limitations and the, the possibilities are with what they mm. have to work. You're not going to be looking out on the savanna. No. <laughs> or <laughs> with the, the light. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Depending where you are. Yeah, so yes, don't, exactly, yeah. Or bring, yeah, yeah. you know, that New England main look, which yeah. I love, you know, yeah, into a three-bed yeah. semi in Dublin. Yeah, right, yeah. okay. Now, um, you recommend something which I'm very bad at, I must say, and that is delegating. Yes, I'm not great myself. I will admit it. It's very hard, you know, so I do empathise with people. It is a very challenging thing to do, especially if, you know, you're used to being in control and, you you know, most people we work with actually have great skills in a, in a lot of the areas, but they need help in other areas. And I think it's about trying to be realistic, say, look, often people have work, they have family, they have other commitments. Realistically, how much time have you got and where are your strengths? Where are the where are the things that you really would enjoy doing and absolutely get involved in those and anything else, try and delegate because mm. there's going to be so much you need to do. There's no way you can do everything yourself. So what kind of things should we be passing off to to other people? Yeah, I think things like, you know, um, say even coordinating with the contractor, for example. Um, if you can, if you can, if your budget allows to to be able to work with an architect or a designer or somebody who can liaise, be that point of contact with the builder, manage that day to day, that's going to save you so much time. Because especially as the project 
starts sort of the, from the middle towards the end, there's mm. going to be so many decisions that need to be made that aren't really critical to, you know, what you're going to be seeing every day. Mm. So sort of behind the scenes stuff that a professional can answer really, really quickly. But for you, it might be just really, really challenging. Okay. Now, when it comes then to the decisiveness or lack of, um, it can be, you can be pulled away. You know, you could have made a decision in your gut and mm. then be pulled away by a Pinterest board or by something you see in a magazine or something you've seen in a home makeover on television yeah. and then realise, oh, actually, that might be much better, but I'm not really too sure. Yeah. Are you a fan of kind of going with your instinct or getting all of the information before you make any decision? Yeah, it's a really good question. So there's sort of two parts to that. I think that's the advantage of working with a professional or getting the right advice as early as possible so that you're making all of those decisions and working through all those options and those ideas before any of the work has started on site. Because the danger is, and these things do happen, if the builder's on site and you had agreed to tiling the whole bathroom. Then you see this beautifully panelled bathroom on Pinterest. Mm. You decide you want to go with that. There's probably going to be either a cost or a time implication to that. And if lots of those things happen throughout the course of a project, you could end up over budget, over time. You know, it could just lead to an awful lot of stress. So ideally, you work through all of that um, very early on before the builder starts. And then once he's on site, the project should flow because it just means that as he needs decisions to be made, you've made them well in advance. But with the going with your gut, I think absolutely that is the best way to decide on aesthetics for people. Um, because it's really interesting. There was a study done where they got two groups and there were two different posters. I think it was a, an impressionist poster and a poster of a cat. And they asked one group just to make a very quick decision which one they wanted. And then the other group to think logically about which one they would like. And when they went back and interviewed them, the people who were thinking logically weren't that happy with their decision, whereas the ones who made the quick decision were very happy. Mm. So it's really interesting. Like we, I've spoken um, of a friend who's a, a, neuro, a neuroscientist, and he was saying that the part of the brain that makes aesthetic decisions hasn't got language. So it can be really hard for people to communicate why they like something, but instinctively they'll know. So really trust your gut. So this is a kind of left brain, right brain thing, exactly, is it? Yeah, yeah. And I suppose the, the party brain, I can never remember which is which, but the one that's making the decisions about money and investment and the worry and the what if I get it wrong and the anxiety yeah, is yeah. probably the different one to this one who's saying, but I love that colour. It is. It, it completely, they're totally different. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's about mixing that. Mixing yeah, that. Yeah, okay. it. So go with your gut. All right. Okay. Yeah. And then... Um, Dream big, act small. Yeah, What's that? So this was interesting. It's just um, James Clear, just fantastic little tips and stuff. I don't know if people follow his newsletter weekly. It's very, very good. But there was something I read where he said, um, you know, every idea starts out really, really big, but yeah. it's the accumulation of the teeny tiny little things that will actually get you there. So sort of try to break down this mammoth task into easy, actionable little steps. And again, that's where the delegation will come in. You know, look at all the items on your list that you're going to have to do um, and try and delegate some of that stuff and then schedule those items. So have a plan for when you're going to action them. Don't just have a long list, a to-do list. I think that's what um, another mm. mistake people make. This massive list, it's totally overwhelming and nothing gets done. So if you can plot that out into a calendar, you know, speak with your builder, find out when he's going to need decisions to be made, when is your kitchen needed or your tiles 
and then make sure you've made the decision well in advance of that. And hopefully that makes it a lot easier to deal with. And look, it's no different at this time of year from people who've made New Year's resolutions, say, to get fitter. You know, exactly. you're not going to yeah. start by running the Dublin City Marathon. No, you're going to start no. by doing a couch to 5k <laughs> over the next month or two. Yeah. And when it comes to a, a renovation project, just yes. clear out the house. That's the first thing, you know, exactly. or just make yeah. some space yeah. or have a yeah. think about what you want. That That's really you know, a small, if even just clearing a drawer out makes you feel it, a little bit better. Or even just pick up the phone, book a consultation with somebody, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. just have a chat about it. I yeah. think every step you take, you learn something. Yeah. It'll help yeah. you get there. Take yeah. your time. Take all your right. Time. Exactly. Uh, Denise, thank you uh, as ever for that. And you can find all of Denise's hints and tips and videos and your little Instagrams and your lives and all yes. that. You've really <laughs> taken off on that in, in the last year. I need so. to get back on that. I took yeah. a little break so I need to get back on it. Okay. But yes, thanks. All right. Me. Well, that's Optimise uh, Design on Instagram if you want to follow Denise and you will find all of that there. And thank you for coming in at Pleasure. The Home Show. And that's all we have time for on this episode of The Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead and I hope you have enjoyed our getting back to normal episode uh, for 2024. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so by email during the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you can find me over on Instagram and Twitter at Sinead Ryan 100. Thanks to producer Eva Breen and Stephen McLoon was on sound. We will be back with the next episode very, very shortly uh, next week. So do look out for that and you will find us up on newstalk.com on the website or on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at 8 on News Talk.